you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn to the book of Proverbs. Tonight we are going to continue our series through the book, looking at topics that it deals with. Tonight our topic is words. Before we turn to Proverbs, though, I want to draw your attention to another scripture passage from 1 Samuel. If you're familiar with the story, Hannah is crying out for a child, and ultimately the Lord answers her prayer and gives her the child Samuel. And this child is dedicated to the Lord, goes and lives at the temple with the priest Eli. One night, God comes to Samuel, and he encounters him multiple times, and finally Samuel realizes that it's the Lord, and the Lord tells him the plans that he has for him, that he will replace Eli's household as leading and uh, in, in being a mediator for uh, the nation of Israel. The chapter concludes in verse 19 of chapter 3, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. This verse has always startled me. Can you imagine none of your words falling to the ground, none of your words being wasted or hurtful, all of them being useful and, and productive. I think of all of the words of mine that have fallen to the ground as I've been preparing this week. I've been thinking of the ways that words are all around us. We speak words. We can't even encounter tonight's sermon without words. We think words, we write words, we read words, we hear words. Think of some of the things that words can do. Words can encourage, words can tear down, words can bring laughter, the well-timed joke or tears. They can bring joy or sorrow. They can lead astray. They can confuse. They can educate. They can comfort. And you could probably think of more and more things. With all of the ways that words are incorporated into our lives and all of the things that words have the power to do, to use them wisely is a difficult task not have them be wasted or harmful, to not have them fall to the ground. I marvel at that word about Samuel, that not one of his words fell to the ground. I don't know that that will be true for any of us, but I hope our aim tonight is that we would grow in wisdom in using words so that maybe fewer of them would fall to the ground. We will need help to do so, so as we consider this topic of words, would you pray with me again? Father, would you teach us from your word tonight? Would you help us to see rightly and to speak rightly? Father, where there is conviction needed, would you bring conviction? And where there is strength and your spirit needed to 
walk rightly in the area of words, would you grant your spirit and your strength? I pray that you would work in us, transforming our hearts such that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing to you, God, our rock and our redeemer. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Christ. Amen. There isn't really a single passage that we're going to look to tonight. We're going to skip around a lot. Various people estimate differently or count differently, but somewhere between 15 and 20% of the verses in the second half of this book relate to words, and so we will be jumping around uh, to a number of different places. But I want to start with two verses that summarize the importance of our words and how we use them. First, chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. As we have seen over the past few weeks, wisdom is a matter of life and death, and our words are no different. We can speak life, and we can speak death. Flip over a page to Proverbs 21, verse 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. If we can control our tongues, we can spare ourselves much trouble. So to that end, speaking life instead of death and keeping ourselves from much trouble... Here is the big idea from Proverbs that I want us to consider tonight. Our words reveal the need for God's redeeming and renewing word. Our words reveal the need for God's redeeming and renewing word. Consider this idea in three parts. Our revealing words, God's redeeming word, and our renewed words. First, our revealing words. Proverbs lays out two ways to live, often referring to the path of wisdom and the path of folly. And then it shows how this plays out in a number of different everyday experiences. I want you to listen to just a few of the places where Proverbs lays out this two ways to live idea related to words. In chapter 10, verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. If you jump down to verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. And one more in chapter 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A fountain of life or violence, acceptable or perverse, knowledge or folly. Your mouth, tongue, lips, words, different ways that Proverbs speaks about this can be used well or poorly. You can use them wisely or unwisely, there is a path of wisdom and a path of folly when it comes to our speaking. But it is not your words that determine whether you are wise or a fool. As with so many 
other behaviors, your words are simply symptomatic. They reveal what lies below the surface. Again, listen to just a couple of ways that Proverbs talks about this. Chapter 10, verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Chapter 15, verse 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. These proverbial sayings work in a lot of different ways. They're often two lines, uh, a first line and then a second line that may reinforce the first line, say the same thing in a different way, or may uh, sort of compare it to something else and, and grow on the, the teaching that it is doing. Many of them work on contrast. So the second line shows what the first line means by contrasting uh, with the first one. And that's what we have in both of these cases. You have the lips of the wise and the righteous, and you would expect the second half of the verse to talk about the lips or the tongue of the fools, but it doesn't. In both cases, it talks about the heart of the wicked or the heart of the fools. There is an intimate relationship between the words you speak and the state of your heart. Proverbs reinforces this over and over again. Jesus reinforces the same thing in Luke 6, where he says that it is out of the overflow of your heart that the tongue speaks. When we use words, what comes out is simply what was inside. Paul Tripp, writing about this, says, this means you have never spoken a neutral word in your life. Your words are either flowing out of a godly heart, in which case, he says, they will be words of encouragement, hope, love, peace, unity, instruction, wisdom, and correction. Or your words will flow out of a rebellious heart. He says they will be words of anger, malice, slander, jealousy, gossip, division, contempt, racism, violence, judgment, and condemnation. Your words... Reveal the state of your heart. It's what the author of, of Proverbs is saying. The way that you speak is at its root about who rules your heart. Who is your heart listening to? You have different voices battling for supremacy of your heart. As I was thinking about words this week and, and looking at where they appear in different places in the scriptures, I was struck by the fact that the very first action of God in the scriptures is to speak. Let there be light. He speaks creation into being. He names creation. He instructs creation. But the same is true for Satan. His very first action as he encounters Eve in the garden is to speak. Did God really say? to cast doubt upon the words that God had said. To say, no, 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 that's not true. You will not surely die. And right there, Eve had two voices competing for who her heart was going to listen to. And you and I have the same two voices. Both God and Satan are speaking. And your words reveal if your heart is trusting in and heeding the word of your creator, God, or if you're rejecting him. 
way that Proverbs says this is, are you listening to and following Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly? And to a large degree, your words will answer that question. What do your words reveal? Siblings, how do you speak to your brothers or sisters? Words of kindness or words of harm? How do you speak to your parents, kids? Parents, how do you speak to your children? How do you speak to roommates? How do you speak to bosses and coworkers? How do you speak to the driver who cuts you off on the road? How do you think? How do you speak in emails that you send? or wanted to send and didn't? How do you speak in social media posts or comments online? What do your words reveal about your heart? Jesus says in Matthew 12, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. By your words you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. If every word you have spoken or thought or read or written or listened to over the last week or the last month were to be played back for you, what would you see of your heart? I know what I would see. It would not be words of justification. I would be condemned by my words. I would not want anyone else to see it. And I don't know all of you, but I know enough to know that I know what you would see also. You would not be proud of all the words that you have used. You would not desire that to be broadcast to others around you. And this is part of what Proverbs does. It shows us God's standard, and it shows us where we fall short. Same is true in the area of words. We see our sin reflected back to us when we see the words of Proverbs. Our words reveal our hearts, which shows us our need for a Savior. So let's now consider God's redeeming word. If our revealing word shows us our need, God's redeeming word shows us where we can turn. If you look at Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every single word of God proves true true and in him we can find protection and refuge just as our words reveal our hearts so god's word reveals his nature he is true every word is true we've already talked about the power of his word in bringing all things into being his words reveal his power his words reveal his justice as he punishes and condemns sin. His words also reveal his mercy 
as we see promise after promise after promise in the scriptures, starting with shortly after Adam and Eve fall from their innocence, and God promises that one day there will be one who comes and defeats sin and death. Multiple places in scripture we are told not one of God's good words failed to come to pass. We see that he is faithful. And we see his permanence. Isaiah tells us that though the flower fades and the grass withers, the word of God endures forever. See in God's word his power, his justice, his mercy, his faithfulness, his enduring permanence. And then we see, as we come to the New Testament, this word embodied in the living word. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If we skip down to verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's word became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus. And he is the one who just a few verses later, John the Baptist will say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one that is able to deal with our sin, our sinful words, our sinful actions, our sinful hearts. He is the embodied word of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In John 6, many of his disciples are walking away from his hard teachings, and he asks his disciples, are you going to leave also? And Peter answers, you have the words of eternal life. To whom else would we turn? He was the word of eternal life. And with his last words, as recorded in John, he said, it is finished, and he accomplished salvation, so that you and I, whose hearts have been revealed by our words to be sinful, can find refuge in his life, death, and resurrection. The redeeming word of God is where we can turn for a shield and a refuge. Our words reveal our hearts and our need for the redeeming word of God to save us, but that isn't the end of the story. And so now I want us to turn to the renewing power of God's Word, which can equip us to speak differently and think about our renewed words. For those of us who have been adopted as children of God, you can now speak better words. Because your hearts have been changed, your words can change thinking this week about the examples of Paul and Peter, who are probably the, the most uh, often speaking people in the New Testament. Both of them were transformed. Peter, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, denied three times that he knew anything about him. He said, I do not know this man, and his words betrayed him. And yet, a few weeks later, when he spent some time with Jesus and Jesus restored him, Peter would go on to be one of the most 
bold proclaimers of God's word in spite of persecution and opposition. Same is true with Paul. It says that he breathed out murderous threats against the church until on his way to do that very thing, he encountered Jesus Christ and he was transformed. From then on, his words, he decided to know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that is what he spoke about. That is what he lived. In the same way, you who turn to Christ for refuge can speak different words because you have a different heart. So I want to spend the rest of our time thinking about five principles from Proverbs for speaking wisely. The same standard which shows us our sin becomes a guide and an example for those who have been given a new heart by faith. These words in Proverbs, this then is now how to strive to live out of your new heart. First, speak true words. There are countless places we could turn Proverbs, but let's just look at a few. Proverbs 12, verse 17. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. Skip down to verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. One more in this chapter in verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Don't lie. Don't massage the truth. Don't leave out details to make yourself look better. Don't falsely accuse others. Don't be mostly honest. Even in jest, Proverbs points out in chapter 26. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Be honest. Be honest with your words. Speak truthfully. Second, speak kind words. Chapter 12, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Flip over to chapter 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Tim Keller talks about these verses and says that they point to the motive and the form of our words. We want to speak truth, but we want to do so with kindness and love. We want to do so in a form or manner that is most likely to be received because we care about the person that we are speaking to. 
there will be times when you have to speak a hard word, probably more often than most of us do. But we can speak it with kindness, with gentleness, with love. We don't want to flatter. Proverbs warns about that in chapter 28. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. We don't want to be unduly kind, but we do want to speak words of kindness and love. We want to speak in a manner that conveys that. Third, speak selfless words. Chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. I want to contrast this with chapter 27, verse 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. We don't want to use our words primarily to exalt ourselves. We use our words to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. We use our words to uplift others in a selfless manner. Fourth, speak timely words. Let's turn to chapter 15, verse 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good is it? The timing of our words matters. There is a contrast in chapter 27, verse 14. I love the picture this paints. This might have been one of my favorite Proverbs that I was reading this week. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, morning will be counted as cursing. If you bless in the wrong way and at the wrong time, it won't be received well. Proverbs 29 says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So there is a time to speak. There's a time for building up and a time for tearing down, a time to comfort and a time to challenge, a time to rush in and a time to hang back. One of the things that really surprised me as I read through all the Proverbs is how often it talks about there is a time to be silent. Chapter 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Or 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. There is a time to speak and a time to be silent. And most of us in all of these areas 
tend probably by personality to err on one side or the other. Some of us uh, are too often quiet when we should speak. Some of us are too quick to speak when we ought to wait. Some of us are prone to overemphasize truth. Some of us are prone to overemphasize love, which is why we need wisdom to know how to speak. Fifth, speak life-giving words. So we speak true words, we speak kind words, we speak selfless words, we speak timely words, and we speak life-giving words. Chapter 16, verse 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Turn over to chapter 25, verse 25. Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. We have the opportunity with our words to speak grace, to speak good news, to speak healing, to speak life, What a gift that we have to give to one another. There are countless ways that you can do this. But the most important is to speak of the grace and the good news of the redeeming word of God, our Savior, Jesus. Speak to one another the hope of Christ. Speak to a lost world the hope of Christ. Speak about Jesus. He is the one who can save and transform our sinful hearts. He is also an example of how we can live. He spoke true words. Every one of his words were true. And every one of his words were loving, desiring that men and women and children would come to him. His words were selfless. He knew when to speak and when not to, even standing silent before his accusers at one point. And his words were a fountain of life, raising up in those who would receive them. And is this Jesus that promises to help us in our need? It is his spirit that abides in us, enabling us to speak as he did more and more. As we looked at the beginning at, at that verse in 1 Samuel, it wasn't that Samuel was so upright that none of his words fell to the ground. The, the passage says, God did not let any of Samuel's words fall to the ground. It is the power of God at work in us that can bring that to be. He is our help. And he is the best word that we can speak, pointing others to him over and over and over again. Our words reveal our hearts and the need for God's redeeming word and his renewing word to help us live faithfully and wisely with our words in this world. So as we close, I want to encourage you, look to the word of God to change your heart that your words will be shaped more and more in accordance with his 
and will be used to praise and to proclaim his precious name. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your good and powerful word. We thank you for your saving word, your redeeming word, and your renewing word. Would you help us to cling to you more and more, to run to you more and more as a shield and a refuge, and would you transform us such that the words of our mouth more and more bring glory and honor and praise to your name as you prepare us for the day when we will stand before you and no more worthless words will come out of our mouths, only that which is holy and praising unto you. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Christ, our Savior. Amen.